Marcus. Yes. You like movies? Yes, I do. Marcus, you ever smoke PCP? No. Hi, Doug. Fair enough. This is Zebras in America, movie podcast about movies. Uh, rate us and subscribe us on all things where you can do that. This is episode 120. Can you believe that, Marcus? Yeah, I can. We started in a, in a studio in Bushwick, oh, and man, now, yeah. we're, now we're recording remotely for the foreseeable future. Yeah. This, this is the set that we, the episodes now, the audio quality should be pretty good. And I'm calling this episode Flix Picks because I was inspired by cinema on cinema and like, you know, how they'll have fun little, little segments. So I'm calling this episode Flix. Do you know why, Marcus? Why? Because I'm, I'm shortening Netflix to Flix. But this this is not just flicks. Basically, some great great stuff that you can stream for free. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about some stuff that's on Netflix, some stuff that's on Hulu, some on Amazon Prime, some stuff that's on YouTube that okay. we've been that we've been enjoying. Cool. What Absolutely. Do you think about that. Sounds like the <clears throat> a perfectly topical, timely uh, thing episode. Yo, we're like, we're like cortisone in the island homes. That's topical and tropical. Sorry. I've been catching, we've both been catching up on battle rap, but I don't think we have fans of our show who like everything we talk about. I don't know if they really like when we talk about battle rap. So that's not exactly true. It's not so much. No, it's not so much. They dislike it. It's, it's such a, such an inside subculture of a subgenre that they're just like what is this they're so familiar with it that i think it fascinates people more than they dislike it to be quite honest and i mean if we got carly to watch a king of the dot battle i think it's not it's not uh it's not too far-fetched that others are just like fascinated by it it is fascinating although in all fairness having hi carly having met her she actually she she knows her canadian hip-hop like i'm like Hey, what's up with a uh, buck sixty-five or cadence weapon? And like right away, she's like, "Oh, he's a radio guy," or like, "Oh, he's working on this uh, grant." Blah blah blah. So it's like Canadians kind of they, yeah, they, they 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 rep their own. And I like, mean that in a good way. Obviously, obviously, there's like Drake, but there's also Cardinal Official or Socrates yeah. or um, both walked. So both crawled chaos. or walked so drake could run oh chaos chaos also yeah and chaos has a song called i wish i knew natalie portman that has socrates on it oh wow. and and has a sample from from i think the band that either jason schwartzman is in or the band that jason schwartzman's brother is in because both of the Schwartzmans were in. Yeah, they were. Oh yeah. Were in, oh. Were in, were in Rooney. Bands. Rooney. Rooney was the young Schwartzman, and then Jason Schwartzman's band was the one that sang California. Yes, the California song is the one that Chaos sampled. For okay. I wish I wish I knew Natalie Portman. Oh, nice. It's, that song is dope. I listen to that song a lot. Oh, guess what? You're gonna be happy. What's but that? but but I sort of want to dedicate a whole episode to this. Guess what okay. I started watching? What? 
too old to die young motherfucker. Oh, word. Oh, my God. That's going to, yeah, that'll be a, I don't know if we could do that in one episode. Or maybe we could. But regardless, I, I love that. It's, it's uh, Summer Reffin's best work. How far? How far? Actually, what episode? I'm I'm only I'm only I just finished episode two, but I'm in. I'm oh, in. so you because that's the thing. Episode two was the one that turned people off because it's just like, who cares about this? You know, crime family. If you made it through episode two and you still want to keep watching, all I have to say is the intro to episode five, and I'll just leave it at that. I'll just I'll leave it at that. I think I think something that's important for you to remember that I think you do remember is that I like I like only God forgives more than I like drive. Yeah, sure, sure. I like I like season two of True Detective more than I like one. Right. I I happen to like certain motifs and tableaus, if you yeah. will. Right. And I really I I felt I felt like gross saying tableau just now, but uh-huh. it is what it is. But so I'm in it. I'm there and I can handle I can That's handle great. slow stuff. And so the first thing I really want to talk about unless unless you'd like to start. No, no. Is so I'm like last Saturday I'm I'm like doing doing chores i'm like you know what i'm gonna watch this little peep documentary right little peep was was like a emo like emo emo mumble rap guy yeah emo uh, mumble I, trap and, I'm not, and i don't and i don't mean any of that pejoratively right and he and i knew his music a little bit while he was alive he had a meteor uh, we even said rest in peace to him when he passed away. Uh-huh. He passed away from either accidental drug overdose or if you watch this movie, possible murder. Sure. I'm not completely sure. Well, wasn't the and, case reopened? I mean, as Otherwise. with all of, as with basically what I what I'm calling, because there was the CSI effect that happened about a few years ago where where if there wasn't like super evidence of stuff because people watch too much CSI, a lot of a lot of cases were getting dropped. Mm. A lot of cases were actually did seem like the person was beyond reasonable doubt, but there was mm. no CSI type evidence. I'm calling now like the Netflix slash serial effect where mm. things are things are coming coming about mm-hmm. that through through these things through netflix and tv shows that are getting people to reopen and revisit things sure so that's that's my that's my little that's my little preamble right so so what i didn't know is that little peep so i watched the movie because i was interested and it's directed by sebastian jones and ramez cillian and it's it's basically using Instagram stories and old footage and home movies. And I'm like, dude, this is this is going through really well. Like I'm really impressed with the vibe. 
So then I do a little research and I, and also it's, it shows in the movie that Lil Peep is the grandson of John Womack Jr. who, who was, who's, uh, who wrote like a legendary Eastern movement, like legendary communist writer mm-hmm. and professor. And, and you have, and his, one of his best friends, Terrence Malick, because they knew each other when he, when, John Womack Jr. was teaching at Harvard. Terrence Malick was doing his Rhodes Scholarship at Harvard and they become very good friends. And in fact, John Womack Jr. has a bit part in Badlands. Mm. Yeah. And we all know that we're fans of Terrence Malick. Hell yeah. So when, when Lil Peep's mother found out that they were making a documentary and she knew that it was going to happen she she called Terrence Malick and said look if anyone's going to make sure that this story is told right it's going to be you so he executive produced it and you can tell because there's there's voiceovers and little luscious interplay and it's still very much a movie about this scene of trap rap it's it's not it's not pretentious right. at all, yeah. but but because it has this narrative arc and it it's inter it's interlaced with letters that Lil Peep's grandfather wrote to him. Mm-hmm. You have this like super cohesive project, and you have this dude who's from Long Beach, Long Island, tattoos his face becomes an underground sensation i think he would have been bigger than post malone unlike post malone i there's music of his that i enjoy Mm. not all of it it's i don't think i don't think the music's for me sure that's fine i think more people need to just embrace that for a lot of things movies books film art it's just not for me you don't have to say it's terrible or why it's just not for me right and but you can enjoy art about it i've actually been been writing stuff about the idea of the mutual aid benefit of fandoms where sometimes you're more interested in the collective community of unpacking the art than the actual art yeah 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 like like i i loved the show lost but really what i loved about the show lost was listening to podcasts about lost talking about lost reading theories about lost damn you know rook i had a <clears throat> i had a similar talk with someone like on twitter actually there's this kind of renaissance of like underground rap that's kind of rare to acquire like a lot of these underground artists rare are rap. just like rare rap or just like you want this album you have to buy it from me for hundreds or sometimes thousands of dollars and then someone gets it someone's able to get it either they pay for it or they get it somehow and then they trade it you know, with other people, because then all um, no one should pay. Even if, even if, on, on, even if, as an artist, you know your worth, I'm not paying that. That you know, you know that 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 much money. And then I got into this talk with this guy uh, on. Um, uh, shout out to at Jewelry on. He's a really funny guy. Good guy to follow on Twitter. Just his avatar is great. Um, but anyway, so, we were just like some of these albums are cool but it's just about the whole idea of tracking them down and like the cult following that like the god fahim has or like a cult following that crime apple has like sometimes their albums are just okay at best but you still have to have them to kind of like 
complete the set basically right so. and that all that also goes to you know there's there's old rare rap where people try to find like classic 80s records or 90s <clears throat> records yeah. yeah and see if there's there's some some jewels and there sure. are i just actually texted you my buddies who are a crew who have an online radio show called chances with wolves they just made a rare rap rap tape of just the 80s and they're working on a 90s one oh, wow. and it ha it's yeah. it's fantastic it's so, oh, i see it because they're all about sharing the stuff because there's always been this collector's market like northern soul which is like which is soul music from from northern england mm -hmm. those records cost thousands of dollars yeah and it and some of them are good but some of them aren't but then you'll find a song like ron b switch stitch by stitch and you're like, wow, this song is incredible. It samples Donovan. It has different layers. This is this guy could have been a tribe called Quest, but he wasn't. Instead, mm -hmm. there's he has two songs, and his his record, his the single was selling for a couple thousand dollars. Or yeah. our our mutual friend acquaintance Edon has so many rare rap records. So we're talking yeah, so it's does. fun to talk. So it's fun to talk about old rare rap records and then in this new underground post mark berg world it's fun to talk about all these rare mp3 albums and yep. it's or talk i enjoy talking about battle rap more than i actually enjoy watching battle rap. so do i well one thousand percent so do i and i've said this before many times i've I've watched I watched a four hour documentary about Super Smash Brothers once. I don't need to care about the topic as long as it's done interestingly. Yeah. There, that documentary about black metal, I forgot the name, but Frank or John probably know what I'm talking about, about like the guy who killed the guy and you know, it's like gangster rap shit, but it's Norwegian metal. And I, I enjoy listening to Norwegian metal on very low volume. It becomes like this droning sort of thing. But yeah to go back to to go back to the film did you see it the little peep documentary you're talking about yeah yeah oh sorry we, we had sidetracked so much yeah i saw well because <clears throat> i guess i'm not trying to sound pretentious but in, in in my universe i came about there were there were rumblings of it like early mid-ish last year and the whole cell is just like hey terrence malick is well first of all it was terrence malick is making a little peep do, do, documentary, which kind of, I, I, I don't, I usually, I don't like the wording on stuff like that, but yeah, no, I, I saw, I saw it a while ago and then you texted it to me and I was just like, Oh shit, that's right. I did see this movie. Um, cause I saw it, you know, a little while back, but, um, which leads into a whole other thing, which is happening now. Like who's that woman, uh, Nia or N Nika DaCosta who's doing the Candyman movie, but everyone's calling it Jordan Peele's Candyman. Right. Um, and which, that's like, a, just like how you got into a fight about that Jet Li movie, Hero, when oh, you worked at a video man. store, and <laughs> yeah, people yeah. kept on saying it was a Quentin Tarantino movie. This one it's woman like, in particular, no, God, she was so arrogant. But anyway, go, go, go ahead. That's why, that's why it was important for me to say, directed by Sebastian Jones. And I, I, I caught that. Yeah, that was the first thing you said, yeah. Because they directed it. An, yeah. executive, an executive producer that's hands-on is just is just making sure of the cohesion sure so you you but if you know terrence malick you see the influences 
Oh, of course. Just the, uh, like I, I always some people have rolled their eyes when I've said this, but like just the 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 jazzy kind of freeformness of uh, the the sometimes airiness, but not in a bad way, because sometimes like airiness can transition to airhead. But I just mean just kind of this like kind of flowing. There is a narrative, obviously, but there's also this kind of flowy, yeah, flowiness to yeah. to 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 it all. Um, well, it it flows through these through these you know letters that yeah. are happening, yeah. Yeah. as well as these interviews and these mixes. And then I have a fun little tidbit. So when he was on the rise, his 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 dude. Well, one I I vaguely know one of his producers but that's besides the point on his mm -hmm. rise he was making music with this guy called lil tracy who mm -hmm. is the son of ishmael butler yeah of diggable of, planets, of and, diggable Shabazz planets palaces and Shabazz palaces and his mother is coco clemens of swv yep so it's interesting how how you know Ishmael, Ishmael Butler and Lil Tracy, their music couldn't be more different, but there's sure. this, you know, as we'll go into talk about one of the other things we watched together, the, the Chris Benoit episode of, of Dark Side of the Ring or Dark Side of the Ring in general, is that family tends to follow in footsteps. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say. I do, but, think, I do uh, think that art is in the DNA of some things. Sure, of course. One thing, especially with the, the recent album, coming, which I pre-ordered, the new Shabazz Palaces album and the last two that they released a couple years ago, like, you know, they released like a double album, but separate. There's very much kind of trap 808 tendencies in their last three projects. So it's not even that. And and when you, I'm very obsessed with um, Shabazz Palaces. So when you read these interviews, <clears throat> you know, Ishmael Butler talks a lot about his recent influence is how much he loves trap music. And you can kind of hear it in the spine or the skeletal structure of some of Shabazz Palace's recent music. So it's actually not that different when, when, when uh, sonic wise, when, when, when you really think about it. So. Right. And it's just, they're, they're different people, different ages making different music. And there's, there's an article where, where Ishmael Butler interviews his son on interview magazine and it wasn't, it was, I, I was hoping for maybe a little deeper look, but it, it was just sort of, oh, you're my son. Yes, you're my dad. We love you. We love each other. Right, you right. Know, just because just you're, you're really talented at one thing doesn't translate to being really talented at another. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah, so Lil Peep, Everybody's Everything pretty pretty good movie i really enjoyed it sure you know and there definitely seems i wonder there's an undercurrent uh, the the rapper singer i love mcconan was working with him mm -hmm. and there's like this undercurrent there where i wonder if it was more than that because little peep was was bisexual and, mm -hmm. and mcconan came out as as gay yeah and and another relationship that I wondered if you want to go to dark side of the ring. Chris wow. It's a really dope, dope transition. Uh, I will say before that though, it just adds to, um, so folks like you and me, we were just texting about one, you know, uh, 
just the other day, but just how like folks that are really in hip hop and really follow it, when you have gay and homosexual folks like in the culture, I might be going out on a limb here, but folks actually in the culture and part of the culture, majority wise, don't care. There's always going to be those old school folks who are just like, there's always going to be the Lord Jamars. But I think when you take a step with like people who are on the outside of the culture, they just love taking all of hip hop and rap and calling it homophobic period when they have no clue that folks in the culture could literally care less. Like for example, West Side Gun, his new album that that's coming out has some production on it and he's been blasting it all over the internet that, you know, the guy Jay Versace, he's that Vine, he was the, the Vine star. Oh yeah. He makes beats like yeah, he's really underground talented. Hip- and he's doing production on West Side Gun's new album. So it's like the most like, <clears throat> I'm using air quotes here, the most alpha male masculine rap, you know, Griselda is collaborating with an openly gay artist. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just want to throw that out there that that folks, anytime someone just blanketly, oh, hip hop is so homophobic. It's like, you're on the surface level if you're right. if you're on the hip hop surface at all. But also, anyway. also that's assuming that that rap, like any genre is this, homogenous, monolithic, non-changing thing. Yes, there was a lot of homophobia in the 90s in rap music. Sure. No question. Mm-hmm. Even early aughts, there was that documentary where certain rappers just left the room when they were asked about gay rappers. I forget yeah. what it was called, but there was a documentary where rappers that you think would be like super open, but we're living in a different time. And the there people that are assuming that homophobia is still this rampant thing are really which it is. Just, I, I I I always hesitate because I don't want to downplay. I'm not, I'm not saying that <clears throat> I'm not homophobia saying you are doesn't either. exist in in rap music. Of course, I'm of course. saying there's there's a lot of people like there are Lord Jamars and people who are like no, never. I mean, Lil Boosie says stuff all the. Oh God! You sent, yeah, you sent me this thing about mozzarella sticks and Pastor Troy. There's yeah. a lot of home. There's a lot of homophobia <laughs> in rap, but there's also a lot of people that just don't give a fuck. They're like, next. Exactly. I'm just saying With, it's not. Yeah. I'm saying it's not one thing. Yeah. And you know, to go to to pivot, Dark Side of the Ring, which is yeah. this wrestling show, professional wrestling, entertainment wrestling on Vice. And it's WrestleMania weekend, by the way. What's that? It's WrestleMania weekend, by the way, which is like also a big uh, centerpiece of this dark side of the ring because when Chris Benoit won the world title at WrestleMania, <clears throat> there's that famous scene where Eddie Guerrero had pre- had already won and the two best friends, they hugged in the ring in the middle of WrestleMania and they both won. But we'll get into that specific moment later. Right, let, so let, let, let's work to that. As I was saying, so... Dark Side, Dark Side of the Ring, a docu-series on Vice looking at important characters or situations in history of wrestling. And yeah. I think what's really good about it, like the what we were just talking about, is that it's the most accessible show to non-wrestling fans. Yes. You can you don't need to know all this stuff to enjoy it. Yeah. And yes. and it's so that's why I really like it. Yep. The 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 first season was good, but the second season is excellent. It's yes. it's just it just hit I hit 
run after run out of out of the gate. And yeah, and we're only three ep episodes, two two subjects, three ep episodes in, also, which is kind of so, crazy. So the first two episodes were about Chris Benoit, who we've talked about on the show, who yeah. who was who was out of out of Canada, I believe, part of the Heart School, and yes. and he was this dude who didn't have like too many great gimmicks, was just really no. good. That was just yeah. his thing. His thing was that he was really good, and. He was best friends with Eddie Guerrero, who's part of the Guerrero family of wrestlers. Yeah, he's he's third he's third generation. And at this point, there's fourth and fifth generation Guerreros. It's yes. And 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 Chris Benoit's son, David Benoit, is wrestling right now as Chris Benoit Jr., which I think is interesting. Yeah. Because if you if you don't know, and so Chris Benoit create has this meteoric rise he's one of the two people to ever start at start at the beginning of the royal rumble and win yes and he is a star in wcw he's a star in wwe his best friend and i wonder lover eddie guerrero dies one day and then chris benoit goes on just falls apart yeah and and then he sends this strange text to, to a bunch of his friends. Do you remember what the text said? Well, to Chavo Guerrero, who's Eddie Guerrero's uh, ne nephew, but they're actually pretty close in age. And side note, Chavo Guerrero, who's featured in this d documentary, because he's the one who found Eddie Guerrero when he passed away. He, he found his uncle yeah. dying. Uh, Chavo Guerrero got a little more recent notoriety because he's one. He ha he's in some background scenes, but he's one of the main trainers on the show Glow. Um, teaching all the actors how to re wrestle and stuff. But um, he texted Chavo Guerrero. He was just like, hey, the dogs are tied up in the back. Uh, make sure they eat. It was something along those lines, which it's something like, very, and he got it. The dogs, he, are, the dogs are in the enclosed pool area. Garage side door is open. Yeah, and it's like if, and I and understand why, when you wake up, if it's like three in the morning, like you said, and you read a text like that, it's like, huh, maybe, I uh, probably, you're, you're out of it. And it's like, maybe you meant to text that to someone else. But then, following the weeks and months of how Benoit was acting, when you wake up and get some clarity a few hours later, you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what's what's up with that? You know, I'm not saying that to blame Chavo Guerrero. I'm just saying, you know, that's. <clears throat> no. And then, so you, so then I remember the day Benoit and his family died. And yeah. we didn't know what happened. And the WWF exactly. had this incredible tribute show. Mm-hmm. And then more info starts coming out. Yep. It turns out that it was, he, he murdered, it was a murder-suicide. Yeah. You know, he murdered his wife, he murdered his kid, and then he murdered himself. Yeah. And David Benoit, his elder son, didn't live with him. And that's why because he probably would have died too. Yeah, I, I, I realize. Yeah, you know, it's funny. A lot of people, I don't even, this doesn't actually come up a lot. A lot of people, you know, in late 2007 when this happened, people, some people, myself included, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, didn't realize that Chris Benoit had an older son. He's like the older, older son that Will Smith has, that people, right. you know, the one that's in, that's in his like mid-20s now that people kind of forget about. Yeah, but he's um, the one in just the two of us video. And he's like, really handsome and is like a professional video game player and his dad good 
Yeah. I think I think David Benoit would choose to be Will Smith's older father, older brother, older son, way quicker. But sure. also one thing that this documentary does is also shows how talented Chris's wife Nancy Benoit was. Oh yeah, total. Uh, yeah, the the especially since valet slash manager is like a dying. It's not dead, but it's definitely on life support. Um, I mean, I think Paulie, who manages Brock Lesnar, Selena Vega, and um, oh, why am I drawing a oh lot Lana? I think they're kind of the only three prominent ones left. But she was like, it, uh, you know. Not she wasn't like obviously she was she came to prominent Nancy Benoit I'm saying came to prominence in the eighties, but still she was one of those people who kind of like walked or crawled so others could kind of run after her you know right and I just thought I don't know the reason why the first two episodes are so good is because it does this multi dimensional thing what Chris Benoit did is indefensible disgusting horrific no yeah there I can't defend what he did yeah. at all because you know people don't murder their family that's yeah. not a normal thing just like the aaron hernandez story we we're talking about people, oh, yeah. normal, same, a same. lot of people don't murder people and yeah. you know so then the next week after this happens wwf is like yeah we we're not gonna do those tribute shows until we know more information in the future right yeah Oops. And then, you know, Chris Jericho is, who's an incredible wrestler, is in the documentary. And he, he's sort of like, look, there's two things. Chris Benoit, one of the great wrestlers. Yep. I'm not going to say he was a bad wrestler because what he did was disgusting. Yep. But then he's also, but everyone also is like, he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Nancy does. And then what Chris Jericho does is that it just turns out he's a really good dude. It's not a, it's like outside of the kayfabe. He, oh, totally. He reunites David Benoit and his aunt. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's really been there. He's about that life. And then I bring up Aaron Hernandez because then they, they look at Chris Benoit's brain. Yeah. In an autopsy, they give his brain, and a lot of wrestlers, athletes have already agreed to donate their brains to science after they pass away. Yeah. And he had one of him and Aaron Hernandez had some of the most insane examples of CTE they had ever encountered. And it's not going to end. I guarantee you that as more, I'm sad to say, as more athletes pass away and they, and more families, allow their brains to be looked at. I'm not a scientist, but I'm telling you, multiple concussions cannot be good. No. Just, you know, it's you know what I also appreciate about <clears throat> this uh, documentary is that, for, you know, even though it's really quick, they kind of brush over it. They talk about a guy like Harley Race who kind of innovated the diving headbutt and how he was just like, don't do this move. Like Harley, like once he got older, you know, like towards the late eighties, he's just like, please don't do this move. And it's, and, and this documentary reminded me on various levels, just from the fact that also you have to remember a big thing about Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero's rise to fame is that they were not giants in the world of wrestling. And they managed to like 
prove the naysayers wrong. But a guy like Daniel Bryan, who had to retire from wrestling for over two years, man, after having to be cleared by a couple of doctors after other doctors were still like, no, you need to continue not wrestling. He's still, Daniel Bryan's back wrestling now, taking drops on his head, getting kicked in his head. And it's just like, every time I watch wrestling, I'm kind of like, dude, like your life almost ended because you were taking these blows to the head. And now here you are back doing it. And it just makes me, you know, it just kind of worries me. Yeah. And you're, and you love, you love, you wrestling and I enjoy watching wrestling with you. I loved wrestling as a kid, but I also, I enjoy watching events with you and I, I, I can, I can experience empathetic joy. Yeah. And in the Benoit episode, and I think this also leads into the next episode, you have a guy, Christopher Nowinski, who is a wrestler and then becomes a, like a brain doctor or some shit. Yeah. Oh, Neuroscience. I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. I was like, wait, whoa, whoa. Me and me and my wife were watching it at the same time. We we're just like, holy shit. Like the just it's yeah, that, that's really crazy. Cool. Very, very, very cool. Very cool. And then talking about the the work and the violent, you know, wrestling is fake in that the stories are made up and the the winners are usually decided but the athleticism is real very and for, real and for and in, and now they're doing it less but when we go into the episode of new jack or extreme wrestling in the 90s they were really they were like oh let's hurt each other yeah for real yeah i mean new jack who who named himself after the movie new jack city he yeah. started in a in a southern territory, being yeah. being a heel where he just was like on the pulse of everything that was making white people mad in the nineties. Yeah, he was wearing O.J. Simpson his innocent shirts. He was he was telling O.J. to keep up the good work in in promos. Two two less two less white people. Yeah, that's just, that's insane. So like him and D'Lo Brown. We're, we're in the Southern circuit doing yeah. things. And then New Jack, and this is all in the, all in the show. Watch the show. It's really good. And then he goes, he goes to ECW and he tries to, he like literally catches cases for trying to murder people. Yeah. He, J- just because he, they, they, they kicked him off, which is like, someone needs to look into this. Cause if you get that and we get it even long before, like towards the end of the New Jack episode, they just casually, you know, kind of graze over it in two spots. Like, oh yeah, he had an abusive father. Life was fucked up. But it's like clearly, it's deeper than just you guys. I'm not trying to criticize this this documentary, but it's kind of like, let, can we make this a two parter? Let's go into his backstory because that clearly has to do with what what's going on here. And it and again, it informs. It doesn't excuse. Also, like he yeah, was hanging yeah, out yeah, people. Yeah. He was hanging out people that smoked pencil shavings. Yeah, I can, yo, 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 yeah, yeah. So funny, funny, funny story. I went, I went to, I went to a high school for bad kids mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was like seventeen, and the first day I knew I was in trouble because I went, I went into, I walked past an empty room where these kids were rolling up toothpaste in yeah. rolling paper okay 
and smoking it and also and also um uh snorting saudi arabian sudafed what the fuck okay and they were like and they were like you want in on this and i was like no nah, i'm good yeah uh, thank you but yeah right but, make sure you say thank you yeah i said thank you i was like don't any more troubles like I know, I know that these are hot commodities here, and to offer me this is means you get less toothpaste in Saudi Arabian Sudafed. But I'm gonna, I'm good. Thank yeah. you. And you guys have fun. And they were also listening to System of a Down, the first oh. album. Even like not even the good one. Shots fired. Boop Ooh. boop boop boop. Anyway. Oh, right. You're younger than me. Right, 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 right I'm younger right. than you by like a year. No, by two years, I thought. How, when were you born? 1981. I was born 1982. So like uh, I thought 83 for some reason. Oh, okay. No, nah, don't ever play me like that. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, it always, another aside, it always frustrated me that System of a Down put out a record called Steal This Album after The Coup already put out an album called Steal This Album, and it wasn't easy to steal. Oh, I unlike, didn't know that. Unlike, unlike, like, I don't think they actually wanted people to steal the album. Right. Where I think, I think Boots Riley was completely I, fine. I definitely do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> when, when Abby Hoff, and that, this was based off of Abby Hoffman's book, Steal This Book, he was completely fine with people stealing the book. They made a movie about Abby Hoffman, Steal This Movie with Vincent D'Onofrio as Abby Hoffman. I think it was it was a poor choice of casting and not a great movie. I hope they revisit that story. Yeah. Um, so anyways, like New Jack like slices a 17-year-old kid in the face. Yeah. The one I'm gonna I, I don't wanna sound shitty. What he did <clears throat> was fucked up, but it should be noted that the kid lied about his age. He said he was 20 something, he was really 17. So there's that. And there's a similar case that I, I was texting you. I hope they get into this. So this is a little known fact, but Marty Jannetty uh, paralyzed a guy years ago, Marty Jannetty being one half of the Rockers. And it had to do with same thing. And this happens a lot on the indie circuit because there's less like, Re regulation this guy who's gonna have a match with marty Janetti was like yeah I'm, I'm like a 10 year veteran yeah i know i know what i'm doing and then it turns out he wrestled a couple of shows that was never trained and you have to know how to take bumps you have to know how to fall you have to know how to land you have to know how to catch people so right but anyway but i i just want to throw that out there new jack is still a terrible person but still right and also super entertaining yeah but but no but another super entertaining, difficult to watch thing about a garbage person is the Ultimate Warrior WWF video they made a couple of years oh, ago. Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You realize how how nutty he was and yeah. how how it was a bad push, just to, like just how Goldberg was was a rough push because neither of them were very good at wrestling, so they hurt people. Yeah. Sure, Goldberg was better though than, than, than I, yes. I will say that Goldberg was a better green wrestler than say uh, Ultimate Warrior was. But regardless, right, Go Goldberg was was a was a was a linebacker. I think he was a football yeah. player, so he he did have the physicality, and he there was a different understanding. And he um, was trained by he was trained directly by WCW in in their their power plant or their performance center. 
do you have anything else you'd like to say about this series before we move on to some other things? It's, it's, it's really good so far. And I think so far it's better than season one, but I got to say the two, two, two weeks, I don't know about easily because two weeks ago I went back and I watched them all. Um, and I so do think I. The, the, the fabulous Mula one deserves a, a, a revisit that, yes. because that, folks that in the one, know, it was always like, oh, she's just a legend, blah, blah, blah. But then as the years kind of went on, it's like, no, she was actually not a good person. She was a pimp to the women that she was supposed to be protecting, you know, in the business. And, sim- and, there's, a, and there's a similar thing, just like what Jericho said, this one old indie wrestler was just like, yeah, she was a terrible person, but she's a part of history. She was a great wrestler and you can't take away, you know, the stuff she did, even though she was terrible, which is always, you know, it's interesting. It's like that OJ uh, made in America. There's this whole section of the documentary where it's just like, OJ is a sociopath, the worst kind of sociopath, the kind of sociopath that knows they're a sociopath, sucks, terrible person. But let's not forget, he was a good football player. Like, you know, and that doesn't excuse it in anything, but it's like, he's one of the greats. It's just one, one of those things. But that doesn't right. excuse him being a fucking murderer and a, just a terrible person. Like, I just, yeah, I think context does matter. And again, nuance in, in the age of anti-nuance, I, I refuse to not be nuanced about how I look at things. But what I will say about season one is the Great Moolah episode was very good. But the other episodes, for the most part, have been addressed before, yes. in my opinion, yes. better. Yes. So the... The documentary about the Montreal screw job that had already been made yeah, was better we didn't than need the that. Vice episode. We oh yeah, also we don't need that. It's like it's like stop making documentaries or books or articles about Illmatic. Like yeah, focus yeah. on the weird. Per- perfectly shit. put. Perfectly do, put. Do, you know, make a book about Nas's double album. Make him like uh, where he where he high speed pitches his voice on two songs as about a woman who gets AIDS. Make a no. Make a documentary about the I am Nostradamus era, where it was just like exactly. for two albums in a row, he was considered this great, and then the two albums after that it was kind of like oh, as Jay Z would said, eh. Um, yeah, you know, like, people make, really kind of forget about doc- those albums intentionally. Make a documentary about Big Gip, you know, like just jeez, yeah, why you not? You know what I mean? Like we don't, we like it's just obvious shit. Like I, I, I'm, I'm guessing they just wanted to get viewers, which yeah, is yeah. Like that's my one thing. I do try to set aside my knowledge and go. This, you know, I, as a wrestling fan, I'm not one of those annoying incel wrestling fans. But still, sometimes when you're part of something and you love it, you always assume something's for you. And these vice, do- this vice documentary is just like, no, we want the casual fan or True. people like you said, yeah. or people who don't know anything about wrestling. Um, but you know and i think because they even address it in the montreal screwjob episode that like hey there was this documentary about bret hart that was being filmed during the survivor series so it's like which you know what so that in itself should have been a movie it's like right there's your documentary survivor series and then there's a documentary about this guy and these camera crews are bumping into each other it's like um uh, William Greaves' Symbiopsychotaxiplasm, where there's this film about these guys trying to make a short film, but then a documentary crew documenting the short film, and then a documentary crew documenting the documentary team that's documenting the the, the short film. Like, it's just kind of like, 
crazy Uroboro meta thing. Like I think, and, and there's so many like opportunities for humor and whatnot in the wrestling world. And you have these two camera crews and all this stuff. But, but anyway, I'm just kind of projecting there. Right. So yeah, you're right. It does. It, it is a good thing. I'm just saying there are, as far as that incident, there are, there's in my opinion, better captures of it, but I guess yeah, it yes. does, it does use, like it explains terms like kayfabe and work and and shoots and stuff like that. So that's good. Um, do you, have you seen Big Time Adolescence? No, I, I have not. So so Big da- Big Time Adolescence is one. So this is this is Pete Davidson's year to blow up. Maybe if this mm-hmm. is the year that he's going to blow up. I I'm a I am a big fan of him even though I don't think he's completely reached his potential yet. He's just mm-hmm. like this awkward dude, awkward very sensitive dude with with Crohn's disease and borderline personality disorder. Dad died in 9/11. Yeah. He he's like one of the he's the youngest person to ever be on SNL and he's just like and he was he is he is funny and he's younger than Eddie Murphy. Younger. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. Or the second youngest? I don't know. Because Eddie Murphy was 19. But regardless, whatever, whatever. Still young. Just I I was just curious. I just did. I I didn't know. Anyway, go ahead. I know that he was. I know he was the first. He was 20. He was so he was the set. So Anthony Michael Hall was 17. Eddie Murphy was not. Eddie Murphy was 19. Robert Downey Jr., who people forget was a cast member of SNL, was 20. So Well, his whole so, season. He was on with – it was that whole era. It was Anthony Michael, Robert Downey Jr., Randy Quaid, Joan Cusack. What a it cool – was a weird year. Would have been a cool so, movie with that cast. But anyway. Yeah, and, and I remember Rolling Stone did an article ranking the best members of, of, um, of SNL people, and they rated Robert Downey Jr. better – higher than norm mcdonald so i knew that it was whoa, a, trash list. Whoa, a lot of pe- a lot of people wow. hate norm McDonald, but... i as an snl cast member from the weekend news to bob dole and all that they really i didn't know that whatever yeah, pe- people hate on norm mcdonald but he's one of the funniest people of all time sure and it's very difficult to find his podcast show on youtube anymore but huh. if you like, if you like offensive, irreverent, you know, abstract stuff, it's fantastic. And his episode with Super Dave, who who many people don't realize that Super Dave was is Albert Brooks's brother, but yeah. Albert Brooks's last name is Einstein. Yeah, and he was like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to go around with the name Albert Einstein. Right. Where where he could have where he could do what like Michael B Jordan did was just he added a B it's yeah. difficult to have yeah. names of like legendary people yeah but Pete Davidson is he's born in the 20s he's got tattoos he dresses like a hype beast he's a weird looking dude he smokes a lot of weed he he gets in trouble for saying stuff but he's like whatever like no one knows him that well he's doing some of those roasts he yeah. he he made he makes fun of himself he destroyed Justin Bieber on the roasts 
He's best friends with Machine Gun Kelly. And he, out of nowhere, he becomes famous after being engaged to Ariana Grande. Right. And, and people creating this persona of, of his skills as a lover. And that, that's what makes him very famous. Yeah. And then they get engaged and then the possible lover for life, Mac Miller passes away and their relationship, Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande's relationship dwindles. And then he starts just dating all of the famous people. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. A lot. I'm saying all the famous people. Sure. Who else? I'm just curious. Who else did he? A a lot of, a lot of people. Wow. Wait, Um, did he, he did go. No, 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 no. That was someone else. Let me not even put that on. I'm I'm confusing it with someone else, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's just people I can't think of right now. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. And he's, uh, I don't know, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot. Kate Beckinsale, obviously, Ariana Grande. It, it doesn't really matter. No, no, it doesn't. I'm saying, go ahead. Yeah. But you're right. There are other people. I just can't remember. So then, so then like his meteoric rise start being interested in him and he gets in trouble for saying lots of things. And then Judd Apatow's like, I'm going to make a movie about you and have, and Bill Burr play your stepdad. And that movie, King of Staten Island, is coming out this year. Pete Davidson had a special on Netflix that came out like a month ago where he comes out of the gate talking about Louis C.K. And it's okay. It's funny, Mm -hmm. but again, what I see in Pete Davidson is potential. But he was was the, so basically everything from Sundance this year went, went straight to streaming because of, what we're dealing with right now. But you mean South um, by Southwest? South by Southwest. Sundance already happened. And so, no, I'm saying movies that, that came out in Sun. Okay, oh, supposed, release. Oh, that was supposed oh, to have theatrical releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Big Time Adolescence was supposed to have a theatrical release, or like the movie with Issa Rae, and um, you know, was supposed to was supposed is now being on Netflix, and things are they're they're scrambling to to figure it out. So this movie went to Hulu, Big Time Adolescence, where Pete Davidson plays a version of Pete Davidson um, who's best friends with a 17-year-old whose dad is played by John Cryer and 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 have and what happens happens is what you'd think would happen if you're a 17-year-old, 16-year-old, and your best friend is is a cool kid who's like 20-something who can get you drugs. Yeah. When I was a kid you know whenever we'd hang out with the like the college kids it was a blast it was fun because they had they had they had access to all the stuff (laughs) and so this is this to me was like a more realistic super bad i don't think it's i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it's as good as super bad it's different Mm -hmm. it's more it's more dramatic but it's also really funny Mm -hmm. and it's insightful and it's it's got some really cool little little cuts in it, little little ideas, little flourishes. There's there's a cool scene where they go to a record store. There's a scene where you, Pete Davidson's character wants to impress this 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 lady who's into art. So they go to a museum, and Pete Davidson tries to buy an art a piece of art, you know, 
there's, uh -huh. there's these there's these little things and I highly recommend it. Okay. All right. Need something um, to watch. Need more things to watch. What about you? Do you what 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 have you watched recently? I have to be it's all I have this list of like dark water and <clears throat> sorry, certain things that I need to watch. But I've mainly just been now that I've I mentioned on my last uh, episode I'm now unemployed. I've really been it's a combination of like watching trash TV and dedicating more time to Pinland Empire which if you're yeah, listening I think I think, but, I think oh, that got I think that got jumbled so you oh. it, they didn't hear that you said that you oh. recently got unemployed. Yeah, I'm I'm recently un unemployed. Uh shout out I to my old it, job. But, I call um, it I call it fun employed. Yeah, but so you know, now nothing fun about it. Not 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 at all. But so if you're listening to this by the time this episode comes out you can read my, uh, I just reread it back this morning and last night, my bitter thoughts on Sorry We Missed You, because it's pretty oh. timely. Yeah, I wrote about Sorry We Missed You days after being uh, let let go from my job. So reading that will be fun. And just uh, other stuff. Like, so now I've got content. I'm working on content on Pinland Empire through June. Uh, so that's the kind of time I have on my hands. Anyway, as far as movies, though, I did watch, I, I, I skipped over my list of shit that I'm supposed to watch. And I watched Cats. I got caught up in the hype, um, and it's one of those things. I don't want to dwell on it too long. I decided against it because I wasn't dropping twenty bucks. Yeah, I know. I, it was me and my wife were, were 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 bored, and the only thing is, I think at this point, everything about that movie has been said. So in the most like hyperbolic type way, so I don't want to get into it. But it is true. Like I'm not trying to be like one of those like funny youtube content guys like holy shit what is this movie but at the same time like what the fuck is it? like it, it is kind okay. of creepy i'm glad i'm out of gummies because certain types of gummies that that i use specifically really affect me like we were i was on gummies one time and we were watching we were on vacation and it was the french polynesian version of um uh the voice <coughs> And I couldn't stop laughing. Like I was like, it was, it was, it was, I rarely annoy my wife, which is a good thing. But at a certain point she was like, Jesus Christ. And like a contestant would just walk out on stage and I would just like laugh till my stomach hurt. So I couldn't even imagine what watching cats would have been like. It is, it's very trippy. Cause it's like these people cats. And they're I mean, just I'm, like, I it's, will, it, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. But in the meantime, I watched this other thing about cats. Ah, speaking of, yeah, oh damn, great transitions. Tiger, this, this episode, Tiger King. Yeah, Tiger King. Yeah, which is another thing. Is which is another one that I feel like everything's been said about it. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Good point. The, good point. This is what I'll say: the first episode and the last episode, not that interesting. The episodes in between it, super fascinating. It turns yeah. out that people that own big cats in America are on the nuttier side of the fence, but that's yeah. not politically correct. They like plenty of them have lots of partners and murder seems to be involved and yeah. it's wild and everyone wants to be Errol Morris. From a documentary standpoint, yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And I, it just, it, it kind of frustrates me because so long before American Dharma came out, this was like after Unknown Known, 
from like the slam dance films to the Sundance films to the Netflix series, I noticed, I was like, oh, these movies are like, a lot of these popular documentaries coming out remind me of like tabloid or let's go even deeper, like, you know, Vernon, Florida, like old Errol Morris films. But then sometimes when I meet these certain documentary filmmakers or you see them online, like no one ever shouts them out. Not that you have to, but at a certain point from the music to the execution, everything is just like, perhaps we're in this era where like there's younger or newer filmmakers who don't even know they're being influenced. It's like Godard, like there's certain young, you know, filmmakers who are influenced by people who are influenced by Godard, but they don't even realize it because they they may they truly may not have seen right. a, a John Luc Godard movie, but it's like the directors who they love, like say like they're they love Jim Jarmusch, they love you know Hal Hartley, they love Leo Karash, and those guys right. love Godard. So I think it, it could be one of those situations. Right there, there can be a couple steps away, like yeah, like when when Odd Future were being compared to Wu Tang Clan. Right. It was very possible that those young, those young skateboarding kids from California, never had listened to Wu Tang. I, I, when they when they were like, I don't know, I believed that they're definitely yeah. probably listening to rappers that were influenced by Wu Tang. Yeah. But you know, I'm more interested in obviously like Errol Morris and Ken Burns are the golden standard of of documentary style, but. What's really interesting is when people of weirder, um, you know, lineages come up, like uh, early guest of the show, John Wilson, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. It comes, like, was influenced by Les Blank. And I would like to see more people influenced by Les Blank. Yeah, than oh people yeah. Influenced by Errol Morris. Because, like, you, you watch a John Wilson documentary, you're not like, this is Les Blank, but when he's like, I'm heavily inspired by Les Blank, you're like, yeah, yeah, so I see it. Sure. Like, like Prince was trying to sound like James Brown, and what came out was Prince. Because if you're a creative person, something happens in your brain while translating, and something cool comes out. Like LP was trying to be Run DMC, and he became LP. And 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 and, and Bomb Squad, but still, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying like. You 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 hear the bomb squad. You don't hear the Run DMC. Yeah, that. But if that's you tell true. me, but if you tell me you're influenced by it, and he did sample Run DMC, um, in N Ten Burners, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, of course, dance to the rhythm and rhyme of yeah, and he kind of he made it say co flow, but yeah, because it says yeah. cold flow. The, yeah. He was part of before Run the Jewels, and he was part of a group called Company Flow. And My favorite were, rap group ever. They were called the CoFlow, yeah. and you know, I have a I have a couple more things I want to talk about, but I think they relate to some other stuff we might be talking about. Right. I think we're at a a pretty good time to to wrap up. Sure. Yeah, the coffee uh, kicked in just before we started recording, so if I sound energized um, to some folks. La last thoughts about cats. <laughs> Or anything? Just, um, like, it's a fun time watching it. Watch it on gummies. But at the same time, I, I say at this point in life, this is going to sound fucked up and a little elitist and a little annoying, but, like, don't write something piece on it. Like, enough, enough. It, it, it's been done enough. You don't have to live tweet it. Like, Seth Rogen kind of capped that all. Just, like, 
get, give your thoughts. I'm not telling people what to do, but it's like, we don't need any more, like, nothing else can be said about it. It is a weird, funny movie unintentionally, but yeah, you know. Unless, unless you really liked it. Sure. Like, that's why I was stopping myself. Like, I'm not telling people what to do, but it's like, I, I think the world needs less of that and just more. Like, now, look, this whole coronavirus lockdown quarantine thing sucks, but now that you, you should never be for, if you're like an artistic, productive, you know, person, don't feel pressure that, oh, now that you might be laid off, you might be working from home, you might have more time on your hands. Don't feel the pressure to necessarily create. But if you do, do want to create, you know, like try to maybe create stuff that no one's doing. If if I'm making and 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 any sense, like less yeah, like let's like, think pieces on uncut gems and more about like you know movies that don't get enough love but are really good, and you have something really you know crucial and and new to say about something. Just my you know, opinion. Do, opinion. Do whatever you want. If you if you wanna, you know, get in shape, do that. If you wanna not do that if you want to create do that if you feel like you can't that's okay i suggest that if you create come up with some new computer rock that people can't even understand yeah <laughs> yeah stitch by stitch yo mel rock that I'm explosive, the dopest, and I can get close to this with rhymes I'm expressing. Suckers learn a lesson. You're so loud, cheap, so won't you start confessing? I'm the greatest up to date artist. But excuse me, maybe I should be more polite. I can't get loose and rock this party all night. So hello, how are you? The OMB brings things that are new to you. With the twist, put up my fist, throw them in the air, and wave them like this, like this. Local, gone worldwide with my vocals, crap. Overnight while you slept, I flow with words and verbs and paragraphs. Put it on paper so dope that I gotta laugh. Cause I can't wait to shake and amuse those that try to just get stamped and use. Walked on like carpet, I'm pulling your bluff. Just like the new kids, I got the right stuff right to stuff, make you right move. Stuff. Get smooth and set it off. You got scared, so you ran and jetted off. You tried to take me, but you couldn't face me. Now you wanna run, but you can't escape me. Cause I'm towing you and blowing you off the stage. Now where you think you're going? I'm just starting. My rampage, attacking my victims, slay them and diss them. Rougher, harder while your rhymes get weaker. You think you're big time, cause you walk with a beeper. You need to sit back, but don't put your feet up. Cause you'll see stars and shit will start to heat up. Cause you ain't at home, but alone in a war zone. Far from a planet, a galaxy, or a microphone. My rap is so stacked that I leave an impact. I do damage on sight or in contact. Stitch by stitch. Stitch by stitch. Put this together. 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 St
is deadly, but I might chill so that you get your head back. You take one step and I say I wouldn't do that. Suckers playing me short because they think it's a hassle. Better off on a beach, building a castle. Have no time for games when Mel start mixing. Have the crowd yell a hoe with the force I'm inflicting. I'm a live entertainer, so I guess I'm gifted. Putting styles together any way that I wish it. Because this is my creation, a touch of stimulation. So suckers stay back because I don't play that. You call me a new jack, yeah, but I won't say that. The way I say my rhymes are overwhelmed. Wherever you go, the name Wild Ring Bell. Climb a higher and higher till I reach the top. Suckers try to follow up, fall and drop. Cause I can't be following when it comes to this. Cause I put this together, stitch by stitch. Stitch by stitch. <laughs>